Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Pod. Today, I'm talking to Yoni Schmidt out of Key Renter, Oklahoma City. This guy is an interesting character. He's managing a team of BDMs. He is a former high-performing BDM. He's a hunter. He's passionate about real estate. And I like hearing from boots on the ground that's doing the thing, not talking about it, not theorizing about it, but actually doing the thing of sales and scaling. Their overall operation is in four different markets, 2,600 doors. They grew a single market from zero to 600 doors in close to a year. It's a great episode. I think you're going to get something out of it. It's not just for you. It's also for the folks in your organization that are selling. Check it out. Welcome to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Wayla, and today I'm talking to Yoni Schmidt. Good to have you in the house. Good morning. Thank you for having me. All right, my man. I'm excited to jam. So I got a call from Matt Zalk, a friend, former guest, and he hit me up and said, hey, you got to talk to Yoni. I had already heard your name. He gave me some more background, though. Let's share that for the guests. Tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're doing day to day. So today I'm running the sales ops organization for Kiantra Property Management Company. We are a regional property management company that handles um, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Northwest Arkansas, and Wichita. And we have BDMs in each of those markets, um, have been in business now six or seven years. Uh, I've been with Kiantra maybe three years now, uh, officially, and four years unofficially. Um, it's been great humbling experience. All right. So you started off just hitting the phones, a- acting in a BDM function. <clears throat> what have you seen as kind of the evolution in your own learning being on that journey? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Matt brought me on to take on the Oklahoma city market, which I knew a little bit because I lived there in the past, uh, hitting the phones daily, uh, hitting the field, really meeting people, meeting owners, meeting vendors and potential vendors, um, networking, in terms of the evolution of my learning, I would say um, I, I, always, I always had that drive to try and become um, a good salesperson. And, you know, it, just natural drive to succeed, I think. And I sold real estate before I even started selling real estate or property management services. Um, and I called Matt and I said, hey, I sell real estate. I could also sell property management services. These are, you know, ancillary. Uh, services to what I'm already selling. He said, sure, let's do it. Um, kind of ran and hit the ground running, starting using using Lead Simple right away. Um, and then just learning the the business, the the our fee structure and our services, having a very um, good, deep understanding, not just of, you know, our systems and our processes and how we do things and how we operate and why we do the thing, the things that we do but also our general no-nonsense philosophy to managing real estate. And in order to you know, clearly and concisely explain this to owners when they are bringing you one of their most valuable assets, their most prized possessions, especially the accidental landlords who um, you know, naturally, this is probably one of the largest assets that they own, um, they wanna know that they can trust you. 
So having a very deep understanding of what you do and how you do it and why you do it is very important. From there, um, I just became a hunter. I was listening and absorbing as much information as I could. I was listening to podcasts, reading books. Uh, Matt gave me the go-giver, which I actually have in my bag right here. Uh, and I was going to give it to a friend as a gift. Um, but I mean, that book was really just, it kind of changed my life because I felt like, you know, it, this works, right? The more you give, the more you get. Connecting people, you know, with no expectation for anything in return um, really kind of just has a powerful effect and force on people. Mm. Um, once I scaled Oklahoma City to about 600 doors in about eight, 18 months, um, Matt said, hire your replacement. Let's go to Northwest Arkansas. And he elevated me. Him and Robert Davis, our COO, elevated me to become the VP of sales. That was a truly humbling experience because I was going from becoming that hunter who's going out and drumming up the business, developing the business, to now producing results to others. And just mentoring and coaching and um, growing the, the, those hunters. Uh, that was a very difficult thing, but uh, I can gladly say that Walter Bowser from Oklahoma City is a natural born salesperson uh, with a ton of drive and he became extremely successful very early on. Yeah. So, so you've worked at another property management company prior, correct? Correct. Yeah. And you're familiar with other companies in your area. Correct. When I think about what you guys are doing, one of the things that I observed about Matt is he's very into the work. There's like a physicality, a presence. The way he approaches and thinks about the asset class struck me as different. If you were explaining, you know, just giving us the pitch to investors of what is what could possibly be different about your company, given the fact that the most companies are not, most companies are alike. What is it? What's the distinctive? I would say that there are three things that make us unique. One of them is um, the fact that we're hyper communicative. One of the reasons that we're able to become hyper communicative is lead simple. Um, you know, the system allows us to uh, respond in real time and quickly automate workflows and automate tasks. Um, and so that kind of allows us to do it in a way that doesn't necessarily look like it's automated, but when the response comes back, right, the, the expectation is that people respond immediately, right? Stakeholders do not like being in the dark. And so we want to make sure that we're keeping them apprised of what's happening. Um, whether it's from, you know, the sales office perspective or the actual property management operations perspective. So that's the first thing that makes us unique. The second thing that makes us unique is the fact that we are extremely ROI focused and we have a, a you know, focus on the success of the investment for, for all of our clients. Um, we do it alongside them. We invest in real estate ourselves. We understand the pain of a, a condensing unit going out, of a window being broken, of a house being broken into. And, you know, when a, an owner calls, we, we can naturally have that conversation and relate to what is happening. Um, so, you know, being ROI focused is important. Aligning your fee structure and, you know, the operations of your business with the uh, incentives of your clients is extremely important as well. Um, it puts you both in the same boat. And if you, if you sink, then you both have to swim. But if you, you know, make it to your destination, then you can both just rest on your laurels, I guess. Yeah. What about, sense. what about vendor management? How effective are you guys with that? 
Um, I'd say we're pretty effective with vendor management. Um, we have a really good, strong maintenance coordinator who, uh, and a maintenance uh, um, manager, and he kind of handles all of that. In terms of uh, vendor relations, it's important to build relations with your vendors. We, we see that as a huge value to our clients. Um, from a vendor management perspective, I mean, we manage a lot of it through Appfolio, um, as you as you must know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the day to day sales function as it's happening right now, you have what kind of what kind of volume of leads are you dealing with in these three markets? You said three, correct? Uh, four markets now. Four yeah. markets. What kind of lead volume are you dealing with in four markets? I would say that you know we're probably you know lead volume has come down a little bit from last year when you know interest rates were really low, investors were very active in the market. They were picking up a lot of doors and they were looking naturally for property managers to uh, handle the day-to-day management. Um, I would say that Oklahoma City and Tulsa, from a lead gen perspective, is very high. I th- we could probably get 40, 50 leads a month in each of those markets. Um, you know, those are probably, you know, 50, 50, maybe 55 to 60 even sales qualified leads. Of those, we have maybe 40 or 35 that are marketing qualified leads. Northwest Arkansas is uh, is an area that um, asset values are quite high. So the majority of our owners are accidental landlords. They move there uh, for job opportunities with whatever large businesses in the area, and um, they bought a house and now they're moving away. And so you know they don't want to sell that asset. They understand the benefit of the expense and the depreciation, the appreciation, the cash flow from the rent. Um, oftentimes their basis has also been a lot lower. So, you know, now they're renting it for prices that are much higher and their return profile looks really good. And we can walk them through that entire um, rental and investment analysis to show them exactly what their returns are going to look like, not just, you know, year one, two, three, four, five, but also 30 years into the future and tell them this is something that you should do. Or honestly tell them, you know, this is something that you shouldn't do because you're going to be losing money every month. But if you're a high earner, then you may want to lose a little bit so that you can wash away some of your tax liabilities at the end of the year. Um, some people that works for, some people it really doesn't. So I'd say Northwest Arkansas probably gets um, anywhere from 10 to 20 leads that are maybe sales qualified. And then, you drew that distinction previously, sales, sales qualified versus marketing qualified. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Marketing qualified leads are, it's any any opportunity that you can touch, anyone that you can talk to, anyone that's coming into um, your, your funnel. Sales qualified leads are those leads that you can actually close, those leads that are actually looking to buy and actually looking to hire a property. So you have these uh, folks that are sitting in these markets. You described yourself as being a hunter. What is the mix of the deals that are closed? How, to what degree are you expecting your team to hunt versus taking inbound? That's a great question. Um, I would say that it, the, 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 I expect my team to not just sit around and wait for leads to be handed to them, right? Leads will come in. We're gonna do everything on the SEO, SEM front uh, marketing front from direct mail to gated resources to um, whatever it is, we're going to do it, right? Pay-per-click and advertising on all sorts of mediums. Um, I would say that 
it really depends on the market and the volume. So Wichita, for example, is a market that we launched in January of this year. Lead volume naturally from SEO uh, and you know Google ads, stuff like that, website is lower. Uh, so at that time, I would expect a BDM to go out, join a business networking organization like BNI and start networking, meet vendors, through the vendors, meet potential owners, go to uh, the real estate association, uh, real estate investor association, meetups whenever they are, uh, meet new people, try to get in front of owners as much as possible, on-site consultations, meeting brokers, meeting agents, whoever it is, uh, and then just getting the word out and doing a bit of outbound and, and hunting, calling even for rent by owners. My first listing when in real estate was just calling a for sale by owner. So there is, there is a... It, this role is undeniably challenging, and it requires a very high level of motivation, self-direction, and just mm. overall, mm. you know, dedication to learning the industry and learning everything about property management. Great. I really like this theme of like who you're looking for. This is a general question of how do I hire the right salesperson? What's the disposition? What's the profile? You said you hunted, so let's not get theoretical. What did you do to hunt and be effective when it was you? You were the one that were taking the leads and generating the leads yourself. So meeting a lot of people, especially agents that I know work with investors, getting in front of them and you know just telling them, hey, look, I will make you look like the hero. I will produce all the rental analyses that you want for your investors and the investment analyses that you want for your investors. And I will send it to you and you can send it to your client. It will be branded with our logo and, you know, it'll have key renter all over it. Um, but, you know, at least I'll be the one who's providing this to the agent and I'll be adding value to their life so that they can add value to their client's life. Later down the line, potentially, we could extract some value from the client. Um, that's if they have confidence in us. That's one thing. Meeting a lot of agents that work with real estate, with, uh, real estate investors. Another is, as you know, and as you've talked about with Mike and Dylan in a previous podcast, is striking when the iron is hot and giving people what they want when they want it. No one wants to wait for a rental analysis, right? Someone wants at 2 a.m. to know what I can rent my house for. Um, we need to find a solution for them to be able to do that and provide them with a professional report that can show them exactly what that is. So, you know, striking when the iron is hot, calling within the first five minutes, texting within the first five minutes, asking the clients, you know, how they like to be communicated with to respect them. Now could maybe not be a good time for them to hop on a phone call, but, you know, they could text you or they just want to know what your fee structure is and what services you provide. Don't dance around the bush waiting to get them on the phone to give them what they want. When a, when a lead comes in, they already tell us what they want. They want to know what their house can rent for. They want to know what we'll charge to manage their one single family residential home. They want to know if they have a portfolio of 20 homes, what we'll charge them to manage their portfolio. Give them exactly what they want when they want it. And you'll see that, you know, they'll appreciate that. Speed, Speed immediacy, immediacy, sense of urgency. The first point that you highlighted with the, the real estate agent being the trusted advisor why is that even necessary? Do you find what what is the general IQ as it relates to rentals that you're experiencing with these people that are sending you leads? 
it's important just because we're in a relationship-based industry. That's one of the main things that, you know, drives this industry is referrals and networking and knowing people. Um, you know, again, it comes down to adding value to someone's life without expecting anything in return, although something may come back in return. But can they not whip up a performa? What's the, how savvy in real estate are these real estate agents that were your referral partners? Sure. Um, you know, many of them are very savvy. They, they know what they're talking about. They're just also out hunting and hustling and they, they don't necessarily have the tools and systems at their disposal and these tools and systems cost a lot of money. So in order for us to, you know, partner with them, we, or for them to partner with us, we can, you know, provide them with these tools and resources, not necessarily with access to it directly, um, but with the reports that we can put together. The concierge kind of experience around it. Yeah. And the the truth is that sometimes they don't necessarily know what something would rent for and they're coming to uh, to us to be their thought partner right because a house could be on a street that is very nice but this house needs a lot of work right and so you could say well what if we what if we brought this house to HQS right housing quality standards that minimum housing quality standard um it'll rent for one thing right but if you come in and you put tile floors and marble, well, I wouldn't put marble in your rental, but, you know, maybe granite and backsplash and you make it a little nicer, could you push the rents up a little bit? Um, and because we have such a huge uh, portion of the market in both Oklahoma City and in uh, Tulsa, in terms of the single family side of things, um, oftentimes we can just open up our database and start clicking around and we'll say, oh yeah, here's a house that's two streets down that rented for X amount of dollars in comps. Exactly. Using comps and really digging into comps, helping them identify, you know, why one thing would rent for, you know, $1,200 while something else would rent for $1,800 because even though it's on the same street or one street apart, right? What is the, um, what is the trim level of the home, right? How does it, I mean, where does it sit? Uh, people talk a lot about place uh, about location in real estate, and they say location, location, location. I th- one thing that I continuously tell BDMs is what people forget to talk about in real estate is placement. Location is extremely important, but that's in a general, larger geographic sense of the word. Placement is, you know, where is it placed on the street? Does it back up to an industrial site, or does it back up to a turnpike, or to a highway, or is it right off of a ramp? That's an important piece that will surely not only affect showings um, when tenants, you know, show up and they want to see the house, but it's also going to affect the quality of life a person may have when they're living in a rental. And so that quality of life translates to real dollars when it comes to rent, mm-hmm. right? If you're backing up to an industrial site or a huge construction project right now, right, it's temporary. But we know, for example, that homes in new neighborhoods that are being built by, you know, D.R. Horton or Rosh Coleman, those in the developing neighborhoods may rent for a little less the first 24 months until the entire subdivision or neighborhood is built and and completed. And the reason is because, you know, it's a nuisance. It's, it's a, a construction site. It's a construction site. It backs up to a highway. It backs up to, um, you know, a, a on-ramp to a turnpike. So, Placement is a big piece of, of the puzzle. 
I can sense that you're really into real estate. That's coming uh, through. And it's the same thing from Matt. Like you're, this isn't a pitch of a product or a service that you feel disconnected from. Yeah. What was the ramp time in terms of the expectations? If somebody hires a BDM, they have 10 leads a month, relatively low lead flow. They're hoping this person is going to create great results. That means they're expecting this person to hunt. Yeah. What kind of time frame is reasonable? What did it, how long did it take you to get traction when you, when you were really out there beating the street? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great question because it's one that I often talk to BDMs that come on, right? And the BDMs that we hire especially in the early stages, because people can feel, you know, pressured by the expectations of closing the leads that we're bringing in. And so they say, oh, you know, here's a plan that Yoni sets in front of me, right? I have a 90-day ramp-up plan for BDMs when they are hired. Um, it's basically within the first six months, they bring on, uh, they bring on, I think it's uh it's, it's one door the first month, and then it's three doors the second month, and then it's five doors the third month, and then it's five doors consistently after that for the next three months. So basically, by the end of it, you're essentially left with, what is that? Um, I guess like 20 Five doors, doors. were in there? Yeah, something around that. Mm. Um, and I tell BDMs on the front end, the ramp up is about... 12 to 18 months for a BDM to feel comfortable enough to talk about investments in real estate. Um, but the ramp up itself should take maybe six months to where you're feeling comfortable and natural about talking about our services, our fee structure, our systems, our philosophies, our standard operating procedures, and um, you know how we do things. So ramp up is probably about six months to start bringing on consistently five doors a month. And from there, 12 to 18 months to feel comfortable to and confident to talk about real estate investments. And these doors that you're talking about bringing on, you're talking about processing inbound leads are actually going to go hunt and generate. This is for processing inbound leads. Got it. Um, the outbound stuff takes a little more time because you're building relationships. You're, uh, you know, people need to know, like, and trust you before they're going to have, you know, confidence in doing business with you. So that takes time and effort and intentional effort and focus, meeting people, asking them questions, being interested in them and their lives and you know their business, what they're doing, uh, asking them how you can provide value in their life, what you can give them and uh, how you can provide value in their client's life is a major piece of this puzzle. And that takes time because if you come to me and you say, Yoni, I want to provide value to your clients. Um, naturally, I'm going to think sometimes, I guess, that you know, you're know you after my clients, right? Or there's something here that I'm not seeing. It's a commercial and exchange. It's a commercial exchange, especially in real estate where you know the industry, people sometimes don't really trust each other. And I think it's important to start trusting people a little bit more. Um, you know, Obviously, do your due diligence, you know, learn who you're doing business with, uh, understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, right? So uh, we have a promise to all of our real estate agents that not only will we pay you a referral fee when we bring, when you bring us a client, but we also promise to send this client back to you if and when they decide to buy or sell again. So we're not going to poach your business. We're not in the business of poaching people. Uh, our, our desire is truly to 
partner up with real estate agents and help them through, you know, through the systems and resources that we have at our fingertips. What's the profile that you look for in BDMs? Yeah, I, I would say someone who's na a natural entrepreneur, someone who's naturally, um, you know, drawn to success and wants to succeed. Maybe someone who was a previous business owner who understands what it takes to, um, you know, build a business and run a business and uh, make sales. And, and the importance of, you know, the sales as the, as the lifeline for the business. Uh, I would say people who just are coachable, people who are open, open-minded, um, you know, that can, that can understand the philosophy and live by the philosophy of the giver's gain so that, you know, they can add value to people's lives and not just look for ways to extract uh, value from people's lives. I wanna. I'm looking for the givers, those who those who are willing to learn, willing to grow, who want to buy real estate, who want to build their own portfolio, who are curious about investments, and they generally want to improve their lives, their families' lives. Tell me about that last one about investing. That's fairly opinionated. <clears throat> How much does a salesperson need to consume the product itself? How how hard edged are you about that? I'm not that hard edged. I think that, um, you know, for me, building building a portfolio of rentals has really changed my life, and it's allowed me to do things that, you know, I I wouldn't have otherwise. Right. It also allows me to relate to the clients that I sell to. Right. Tell them that I know what your pain is. I know what your you know suffering is when a roof needs to be replaced and it's an ACV insurance policy that's going to only replace, you know, it's only going to cover a third of the cost when, you know, the rest of the burden is on you. Um, there's no, you know, there's no need to consume the product, um, but I don't necessarily think they're consuming the product when they're buying real estate. They're, they're, the product or the service would be the property management services, right? So it's just having the experience doing it and um, being able to relate to the clients is what I think that provides you as a BDM or as a sales professional. Let's get into some more tactical items. How important is speed to call in your world? Speed to call is a big deal. I think that you have to strike when the iron is hot. Um, it doesn't necessarily, uh, my process isn't necessarily, you know, as soon as a lead comes in, pick up the phone. We uh, have an immediate text that goes out of the system, out of LeadSimple, and um, it just says, hi, I'm Yoni, a business development manager with Kiranch of Property Management in Tulsa, Oklahoma City, wherever it is. Um, you know, I just received your contact information and what's your preferred method of communication, right? Respecting the client and uh, how they want to be communicated with is also a huge piece of this puzzle. The reason is because they may not be in a place where they can have a conversation, but they still want to text. They may, um, you know, want something very specific and they don't want to take a call right now or they want to schedule a call at a later time. So I don't know that speed to call is, um, you know, a huge deal. Speed to contact is a bigger deal. If we don't get a response within 120 seconds, maybe three, four minutes, then you pick up the phone and you call and you also send out a text or you send out a um, an email 
with an embedded video with your face saying, hi, Yoni, just putting a name to the face, right? Or a face to the name. And that personalizes the, uh, the whole experience. And it's important to do that because, um, you know, people want to have a relationship with their property management company and they want to know that, you know, they can trust them. When you see someone who's saying, you know, hello, and in a video, it's a lot more personable than just picking up the phone and having a conversation with them. We also know from, um, you know, We Secret Shopped You, the book that Mike and Don from Geek wrote, that less than 1% of property management companies out there, right, uh, in the world are using embedded videos and lead simple to, um, you know, communicate with their clients and have that initial response with them. That's some great specific detail. So what I hear you saying is that you are still having your, your folks call within a very short period of time if there is not a response to the text. Correct. The text message prompt that you gave, how do you like to be contacted? What's the breakdown of responses? So responses are pretty high, uh, I would say. And this was something that uh, a BDM at our, at our office, you know, he came to us after I assigned our team, um, listen, they, I assigned them a task to listen to the podcast that you had with Mike and Dylan. Um, I remember listening to it while I was driving from Wichita to Tulsa. And I just, while I was driving, I sent it to Matt and I was like, God, so many nuggets of gold in here. Um, you know, they're breaking down the book. They're talking about all these, you know, really important pieces of, of um, you know, of the process that we should start considering. And so I immediately assigned it to our team, to the sales team, to listen before our next Monday morning uh, call so that we can get together as a team, have a discussion, break it down a little bit more, and think about how, what are things that we can do within our business, um, you know, from all the great data and advice that you guys came up with in that podcast. And one of the BDMs just said, hey, the initial immediate text that we're sending right now says, hi, I'm Yoni with Kionto Property Management. I just received your contact information. What's the first thing you want to speak when we when I give you a call? Assuming we want to, assuming people want us to call them. And jumping to that conclusion and that assumption, um, in a sense, is disrespectful. And people may not want to hear from us in that way. And so that, this BDM said, let's tweak it just a little bit, right? Instead, we can say, hey, I'm Yoni with Kiona Property Management in Tulsa. Um, you know, I just received your contact information. What's your preferred method of communication? And the response rate must have gone up, I would say, 80%. That's huge. From no response to text messages that were going out, almost, I mean, I would say, yeah. And what, eight, eight, eight out of 10 are not responding. And what do people say? What is the generally preferred method of communication? A lot of them are saying, you know, text is fine. Please email or, um, you know, I'd like to schedule a call. Some say I'm ready for a call right now. Right. Um, you know, I can talk. Sure. But it seems like the, the majority are saying text and email. What does all of this add up to? How many units does the company manage total across these four markets? Yeah, so we've been doing some cleaning up, I would say, and um, we're now at about 
2,600 doors. Okay. And I think, um, you know, there were some sacrifices that were made to make the business a little bit more profitable. Uh, but overall, yeah, we are 2,500 doors, predominantly single family homes. And what's the breakdown by market roughly? I would say, um, I mean, Wichita, we just launched in January. It's uh, We're at the end of August here almost, and we're at maybe 30 doors. So, you know, that market has been growing at a slower pace than, you know, other markets. Um, I'd say Tulsa is maybe 16, 1700. Oklahoma City is now about eight, 700. And how old is Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City is three years old. Matt started it in, uh, like, right at the beginning of the pandemic. I called him. He said, uh, I said, where are you going? He said, I'm heading to Oklahoma City, launching QNR there. I said, is now a good time to do that? His in immediate reaction was, yes, now is definitely a good time to go help people. <laughs> that sounds like Matt. Yeah. I asked you before the show, and I want to follow up on this prompt now. I am really fascinated with Israeli culture. It's your background. I'm fascinated specifically with not just the diaspora, but the effectiveness specifically in entrepreneurial endeavors. What I have noticed is that there's an incredible disproportionate number of successful Israeli founders in the United States. And when I say in the United States, I don't even necessarily mean living here. In many cases, they're going back and forth, mm -hmm. which seemingly seems like a massive handicap. What's your rough thesis approximation for why Israelis have been so prolifically successful as entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I will just say, before I answer that, um, Northwest Arkansas is about 400 doors. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, why are Israelis so successful overall? Um, you know, there there's a lot that I think goes into it. I think being a small country um, that sometimes may feel like the underdog, um, and, you know, there's a lot to Jewish history in terms of uh, being the underdog, right? And just coming out of uh, coming out of tough situation and facing adversity and, you know, taking it head on uh, has been just something that's been ingrained in our, ingrained in our heritage. Um, Israelis, I think, are naturally smart people who have a scrupulous way of, you know, finding solutions to problems. And, you know, they also, they, they just want to succeed. They, uh, you know, we spoke about this earlier, but, you know, if you compare Israel's culture um, to other cultures in the world and you stack it up and you look at um, any one of the six dimensions that were developed by Geert Hofseed, who's a social scientist who developed this cultural framework to study and understand cultures, um, you can see that Israelis, for example, are high on uncertainty avoidance. And that means that they don't like ambiguity. They, you know, like taking situations, um, you know, by the horn, taking the bull by the horn and just, you know, dominating as much as they can and becoming successful, learning, growing, um, you know, naturally just evolving and, and, and becoming better in what we do is, I think, something that, um, you know, is, again, ingrained in our DNA. And, of course, Israelis are natural born salespeople, sometimes they don't know it. Sometimes they just need to tap into it. You know, there's that chutzpah. People say, you know, at the end of a of, at the end of a sales cycle, at the end of a sales life cycle, 
you have to ask for the business, right? Make that move for the jugular. Go for the jugular and ask for the business. And there's no shame there, right? And it's done with, you know, confidence and it's done with, um, you know, displaying what the true value is, being able to clearly and concisely explain things. Um, you know, I think they've, Israelis have just come up with good technology because, you know, it's, it's something that, um, you know, the, the, the society is just like invested into it's, uh, it's become like the, they call it what the Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Never heard of it. I love yeah. it though. Yeah. I love it. Let's end it here. If you had one piece of advice for a salesperson in this industry, what would it be? It would be, um, don't give up, grow, immerse yourself in the industry, learn about um, investments really so that you can confidently speak about investing in real estate, study your markets very, very, very well. Hit the streets, meet people, network, um, know the neighborhoods. There's a lot that goes into it. If I had to say one thing, just absorb everything. Be a learning machine. Be a learning machine. Let's leave it there. Appreciate you coming on. Wishing you much Thank success you. in your endeavors. Thank you so much. All right. Until next time. Yep. Peace. That's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can check out other episodes along the way. If you're watching this on YouTube, appreciate to subscribe. Any comments, I'm always here to engage. If you're listening on an audio platform, would really appreciate a review. It's a great way to help other people find out about the show.